0: This is Blurring the Byline, a conversation about writing, journalism, and pop culture from two best friends working as writers in different fields. I'm Julia Brouillette, I'm in suit to be an intern at the Washington Times, um, living in Washington DC, and I'm here with my best friend.
1: I'm Riley Light, I'm currently a student at UCR for creative writing, and I'm an editor for Audiamus and a first reader for uh, Liminal Stories. So we're here today to talk about Christmas.
0: (laughs) That sounded so official. Like, we're here today to discuss Christmas and its far-reaching implications (laughs) for
1: us. (laughs) It's far-reaching colonial implications. Um, Christmas and white supremacy, they go hand in hand, no. (laughs) Oh
0: my god, I mean, Santa, am I right?
1: Santa, am I right? Did you hear about the, the Black Mall of America Santa and how people were mad about it?
0: Yes, I did. I can't I even think
1: that about it. That was crazy. It. First of all, the like I feel like when you go to like a Michaels or something and they have the Santa statues, there's something about the ones, because it's always just black and white. They don't really have any other like varieties of race. But I feel yeah. like the black ones are always just more like welcoming and kind-looking. Like the white ones are just a little creepy. They are jollier. The white ones kind of creep me out sometimes. The
0: white Santas that I saw in Baltimore recently, let me tell you, were the creepiest Santas. I mean, they were, there was like, (laughs) I was almost going to say interactive, but that's not the right word. You know what I'm saying? (laughs)
1: Like animatronic? Is that what you're talking about?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, You know, they move and shit. Like they, he was blinking and lifting up a candle or something like that. (laughs) He was like gesturing to me with a candle. Classic
1: Santa movements. Classic
0: Santa, you know, just what Santas do. Um, just raising but,
1: candles to Christ.
0: I don't know. It's it's it looked a little suggestive to me.
1: Oh, okay. That was
0: just my inter- <laughs> that was just my interpretation. I right. uh, I don't suppose I know what that particular Santa was trying to do. Right. But I felt personally creeped out by it.
1: There's a Um. mystery to it, and you don't know if the answer is good or bad, you know? What (laughs) is he thinking behind that beard?
0: (laughs) (laughs) He also just looks so unimpressed with the entire situation. I mean, this this street in Baltimore is literally just a street that's decorated for a couple weeks out of the year for people to go drive through and look at Christmas lights. So people go all out and, like, put all these animatronic things and usually, like, Maryland-themed Stuff so there was like Orioles stuff and Raven stuff and, and like
1: a crab, like probably. crab stuff.
0: Yeah, just all of all of that thrown into Christmas lights on people's yards. So like the fact that Santa was in this very enthusiastic environment, but not being enthusiastic was really suspicious to me. You know,
1: well he's seen it all. You know, I guess it's tr- <laughs> what is what's left yeah, for maybe Santa he to just, see.
0: Well, and I mean, 2016 being the year that it's been, maybe he just he was done even with christmas i mean he just couldn't he couldn't even muster up the joy for this year's christmas because of everything that's happened
1: santa cancels christmas question mark that's clickbait for you
0: (laughs) i thought that was the grinch's job (laughs) (laughs) that's like
1: the that's like the youtube thumbnail says that like i thought it was the grinch's job and it's like a person with their hands on their face like oh
0: like reaction video.
1: Yes. Santa cancels Christmas reaction. <laughs> I hate oh, the internet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but really, though, how was your Christmas?
1: My Christmas was really great. It was really relaxed. Um, I'm back home from school for the holidays, which is always that weird mix of my brain being like, you should be doing things, but I have nothing to do. Um yeah. And also being really glad that I don't have anything to do, um, so it's mostly just been very relaxed. I've been thinking about our podcast a lot, you know, just going through a lot of podcast ideas, <laughs> you know,
0: you know, <laughs> just
1: classic classic ruminating on on podcast concepts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been in a swamp for the past yeah,
1: you've week. been literally in a swamp. <laughs>
0: I've literally been wading in muddy water and fighting off alligators for the past eight days. So, you know, oh my not God. trying to say. Mine was more intense, but I think it was probably. It's always, it's yeah. such a, it's such a culture shock every single time. Even though I've been going there for my entire life, like once a year, it still feels like a different, i still
1: don't think you've said where this was other than a swamp (laughs) like for all people know right now you're talking about shrek swamp like your dad is shrek (laughs) like that's that's what that's all we know
0: oh my god um and this (laughs) place what what was the what was the swamp in that movie called
1: the swamp probably i have no idea
0: (laughs) (laughs) just the swamp well then in i mean in that just the the shrek swamp no it's in the specific location is Pierre Part, Louisiana. So it's like, it's about geographically, it's about an hour east of New Orleans. Okay. So it's 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 definitely swamp territory.
1: Classic swamp.
0: It's literally one of those places where you you don't wade in the water because actual alligators eat people there. Right.
1: Yeah, I guess Florida's kind of like that too, but not. Maybe not as bad. It's not as
0: high profile like, known for that, though. I I feel like people are, like, Florida is so unassuming and so fun that you go there and you're like, oh, like, it's just beaches and sand and wonderful vacations. And Louisiana, people, I think people expect it a little bit more.
1: Yeah. I mean, Florida has its (laughs) trashy parts, too, for sure. Like, Central Florida, like, oh, Central Florida is basically (laughs) Louisiana. (laughs) When you're not on the coast, you are in just a swamp that's full True. of like racists. That's pretty much <laughs> what it is. Oh
0: my god, that was a very generalized statement. But yeah, I've
1: been there. My family lives there. I'm just saying, like, not not all swamp people, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: just. Oh, by the from way, my personal part, experience where where my grandparents are from is the official hometown of the actual swamp people. So if you've never heard of swamp people, it's a
1: The TV show?
0: Reality show about swamp <gasps> people. I think it was on TLC. Of course it
1: History was. History
0: Channel. One of those channels that only does shows like that now.
1: Mhm.
0: Actually, that's all of them. But
1: <laughs> That's every channel.
0: That's every channel. But you know what I'm talking about. It's either TLC yeah. or History Channel, I think, or Discovery Channel. Who knows? It's on it's on TV and who watches TV anymore? So it doesn't really exactly. matter.
1: But, people who um, love the Swamp people—that's the only people watching TV.
0: Loyal Swamp people <laughs> fans. I'm for real though. They live down the street, and you're roll- so you're rolling through this neighborhood, which is literally there's like one main road that goes through this town. There are a couple trailer parks, and then you turn down this one road, and all of a sudden, man, like millionaire mansions, literally like huge brick homes with these elaborate driveways and things like that and Why? that's where the swamp people live.
1: Oh, that's their empire.
0: That's yeah, their their hub is is right there. And then when they catch their alligators, <laughs> they bring them to this one gas station, which is literally <laughs> I I have to add this because I think it's really funny and also just t- says a lot about where this town in general, but so this gas station is actually a Shell station, but because the man who owns the gas station his name is Duffy or something like I don't know if it's his first or last name, but his name is Duffy. So everyone knows this place as Duffy's, even though it's literally a shell. Like it's <laughs> a gas station. <laughs> That's great. But because everyone knows this dude, Duffy. Also, how dope would it be to be named Duffy?
1: That's just, a really cool name.
0: I'm just in love with that name. Maybe I'll name my child Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I forget why I was talking about alligators, though.
1: How did I, I don't this know get we How did this there. get
0: into such detail about the swamp people?
1: I don't know. We were really into the swamp topic. I'm not <laughs> sure why. <laughs> yeah, I, let's move away from the swamp. Literally. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Can we physically actually, step away? from phys-
1: this? Can we physically leave the swamp? Okay. I have a little bit of actually follow up I want to do from uh, our last episode. Number one is that I want to correct the uh, Twitter handle that Julia gave out on air. It's not (laughs) at blurring the byline. It's at blur the byline because blurring was too Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) I said that aloud?
1: You said it out loud.
0: (laughs) I am trash. I am so sorry, everyone.
1: Well, now that people know, thank you everyone who has listened to the show so far. I don't know who you are, but you're out there, so that's cool.
0: You're very special to us. Each and every one of you.
1: And also... Call to action, we need people to write iTunes reviews for the show. Apparently this is how you get out there. This is how you you this know is how shows get are made. the fame. Yeah, yeah. Things are This is this is how we're gonna get our name out there too. This is how
0: you get the fame. I thought it was hashtags, Riley. <laughs> Wait, well so hashtags why- are one way. <laughs> you you just you just stick with the story here. Is it hashtags? Is that how we're getting famous?
1: I think hashtags are it like a part reviews. of, it's part of the plan, but I think the iTunes reviews are really like, it's Inter-tubal. more low key than a hashtag. Hashtag. That's great. Um, but it's like, it's important, you know, it's like the structure and then you can put hashtags on top of your iTunes reviews. <laughs> <coughs> I don't know what's happening right now.
0: I don't know either. We're just rolling with it.
1: Okay. Also, should thanks we move for into calling our- me out,
0: like. In this episode, to say that I still wrong.
1: That's absolutely my goal is to call you out as much as possible.
0: I mean, that's probably going to be the entire Star Wars conversation is you dragging me for.
1: Oh, yeah. I, mean, I guess we can start, start by going back to that.
0: <laughs> First of all, here I didn't we even go. Drag you here we
1: thought. go. <laughs> no, why is this we're this is such a mess compared to the last one wow like we're all (laughs) over the place um okay let's hop back into the star wars conversation from our last episode a second when julia didn't know anything at all
0: (laughs) about Um,
1: anything about anything so i i saw that movie that we were talking about and it was pretty good
0: question was Mm -hmm. carrie fisher in that one
1: Let's do a spoiler alert. I don't know if there's, like, an official way to do that other than oh. to say spoiler alert.
0: <laughs> Sorry, that was just a genuine question that I have.
1: Um, okay, so spoiler alert. She was, like, they had young Princess Leia in it, and she was CGI. Um,
0: oh. Did they make her younger, or?
1: Well, I don't know. if I don't know if Carrie Fisher actually stood in for that role, or, like, she only had one... Princess Leia only had one line in the movie. Mm. So I don't know if Carrie Fisher actually recorded that line or if they took it from the old movies or, like, how they did any of that. I don't think Carrie Fisher was probably even had to be involved in any of that because it was so clearly CGI'd and everything. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, but it was weird because I think literally the day I saw the movie, it was either the day I saw the movie or the day after that she died. And I was so, like, it was so shocking after seeing that movie.
0: Yeah, I bet. I was wondering about that because it was, I, you know, me not knowing the timeline, I was like, is this, you know, like, is this one of those things where they're kind of just going to like pick it up with every, everyone kind of being who they are or it's going to be a different.
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess the next works. one, the next one that's coming out, she is, she already filmed as like her current age before she died. Um, so I, I guess that'll be weird to see her, like, acting in that and then seeing that storyline not knowing, like, is she supposed to be in the one after that, too? Or, like, I don't know. There's a right. lot of questions there. And and that's going to be really sad, too, to see her in a whole movie knowing she's passed away now. It's just kind of crazy.
0: That's such a strange phenomenon, yeah, When when people die before. Especially, like, yeah, like, before things are released and then. Yeah. Yeah. When it's, like, halfway through or something and, like, people get written off, like, it's different. But, yeah, when it's when it hasn't even come out yet,
1: that's going to yeah, be... Yeah, because I think the last example of that was, that I can think of anyway, that I watched was when Philip Seymour Hoffman died. And he was supposed to be in, I think, the last Hunger Games movie. <clears throat> and they he just... You could tell there were scenes that they had put in that were probably supposed to have him in it but didn't because he wasn't there. And then... I, they CGI'd him in at the end, I think, in, like, a weird way. So it's just—it's always strange how how to handle that stuff, like, in a way that's not weird and disrespectful.
0: Yeah, because you want—I mean, especially if if they're, you know, a main character or something, or someone who's integral to the story, cutting them out entirely is, you know, not ideal. But then, yeah, keeping them in just feels— I don't know i don't know what the right word is like it it just it feels it's just sad <laughs> i mean i guess there's no way around it though
1: yeah i guess because especially if everybody already knows that someone's supposed to be an integral part of this movie you can't just like not do that yeah they're expecting them to be there yeah so it's a weird issue to manage but it does feel kind of it just feels uncomfortable i don't think it's necessarily bad it's just uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not like it's insensitive necessarily, but it it has that same like emotion attached to it of like not ready, not ready to see this person in this setting when they've just died.
1: Right. Yeah, I I think that explains it well. Like I like it doesn't feel normal to be seeing them in this way, knowing that they've died like it does feel a little it's it's definitely kind of puts in perspective the falseness of movies and TV shows and everything when you're like oh this person's dead but here they are in this movie like it's right there's something strange about it
0: yeah it pulls you it pulls you back to reality when you're when you're supposedly supposed to be entrenched in this fictional story and it it kind of yanks you from that
1: yeah it definitely is like an issue with suspending your disbelief because you shouldn't be thinking about that when you're watching a movie, but then if you kind of know that this person isn't alive anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, there's no way around it. That and as a filmmaker too, it's it's sad because your movie can kind of become defined by that, I'm sure, like by this person being in it who died. And that can be a good thing or it could be like a bad thing. Like people could maybe not want to see your movie because they don't want to bring up those emotions right, or right. something. Or it
0: could it could become more of like a nostalgia Thing for people, I guess. Yeah. Like they go see it because of the person who right. passed
1: away. Like it could redirect the focus in certain ways, which is kind of interesting. I yeah, I guess. I'm glad that Disney hasn't been gross about it though, because they're just. So, sometimes they edge into like capitalizing off stuff a little too much, and, and they've seemed very respectful about her passing away and everything. They haven't gotten like. <sighs>
0: Has that been a pattern with them? I
1: don't know. I feel like it is to me, but I interpret everything as being bad that corporations do, so I don't know if I'm the best judge of that.
0: You just assumed they were being aggressive.
1: I just, like, if they had put out, like, here's, a, like, a new line of Princess Leia, like,
0: right bed sheets. like, I would be like, cool.
1: like, okay, like, why, why now, you know? Right. Or if they that were really selling, like, R.I.P. Princess Leia dolls or something like that, I, you know?
0: That's so outlandish.
1: <laughs> I know, but it's like, I wouldn't be surprised at the same time. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, we've, we've, seen, we've seen worse, I guess, from For Profit.
1: So, yeah, and I mean, there are definitely a lot of people on Twitter and everything who are posting stuff about it just literally for the retweets.
0: Right. I mean, that's, I feel like that has been a theme of this year as well with how many people have died. Um, you know, how many celebrities have died is, like, it's been interesting to see how different people react on social media. Because some people are, you know, some people just want to post something to express their sadness about this happening. And then other people, you can tell, are clearly, like, you know, they want to, it's it's a chance to kind of showcase their own, like, pop culture prowess. Right. Or musical taste or whatever it happens to be relevant to and that to me is annoying to say the least
1: (laughs) I've had a lot of thoughts this year about like um like performative grief basically and how we have developed these ways of displaying how sad we are about something on social media for everyone else to see and and be interpreted in a certain way. Like, I think a a lot of people Mm -hmm. after Carrie Fisher died, especially I was seeing these like super long tweet threads about like how I didn't care that she was Princess Leia. I cared that about this and she was. And a mental health activist and it's like those things are true and good but it it's almost like shaming people for only focusing on this certain part of her life and if that's what was important to people that's what was important to people it, it's sort of this like mightier than thou i think right. i deleted this tweet but at one point i i quote tweeted one of these threads and i was like i think what i said was that it sounded like like my grief is more woke than yours or something like it just
0: yeah.
1: this idea of like i'm i'm grieving better than you are and it's like that's not a ever a good way to be approaching something
0: it's crazy to me that it's gotten to that point though like in in just where we are in society that that's a thing at all is just blows my mind right
1: it's terrifying
0: like you can't you can't be more woke in your grief than another person that's just
1: it's not possible
0: let's just not go there please
1: yeah it's it's so shallow and people think that it's they're being very like sincere and deep and thoughtful but it really is shallow because
0: everything is about now
1: right because you're doing it for other people people i think are confused about shallowness isn't just in how you look or how you you know present yourself it can also be in your behavior and if you're behaving or saying or doing things just for the sake of other people to see you doing them like that's shallow (laughs) and i don't i don't want to go like too far on the end of the spectrum of like people shouldn't even tweet about i think it's fine like for people to to express themselves and everything i think that sometimes we just go into this weird unhealthy territory
0: in itself being you know talking about these things and being emotional about them on like publicly is not a bad thing to me i don't i don't think it is anyway i mean yeah
1: yeah it doesn't inherently strike me as like anyone who talks about this is in it for their own gain but it it's just sometimes with certain ways people and i've seen i follow a lot of artists on twitter and i i see a lot of conversations kind of about you know like especially when someone like david bowie died there were all these pieces of art that were coming out um mm-hmm. and i it was interesting because i saw some artists that That were saying, like, this is how I express my grief. Like, this is my art form. This is how I'm expressing myself. And then I saw other people saying, like, other artists saying, like, there's no way you can do that without it just being for your own gain, essentially. Like, unless you post it anonymously or something. Like, ultimately, it's a hot button issue and it's like going, you know, people are going to pay attention to it. So that's
0: so interesting. I wouldn't have ever seen anything about that Yeah, because I don't follow any artists on Twitter. I don't think.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I don't fall anywhere on that specific thing because I'm not in that world and I don't, you know, understand it. But I think it's interesting that those kinds of conversations are, are happening where it's like, where does this, where is this just you expressing your grief and where is it you trying to capitalize off someone? Yeah, where is it
0: appropriate? Like, where is it appropriate to, yeah, I guess to show it yeah and like when
1: to in um in one of my religion classes that I took a long time ago we talked about i f- i forget the specific term but it it's like spontaneous um not altars but like spontaneous memorials or something like that that's there's a specific term for it essentially like when prince died and people were like setting up the the purple stuff on the streets and the flowers and the pictures and the stuff
0: right so like uh kind of. What are those called? Like, um, like vigils.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like that sort of thing where it's like this public display of communal grief. Like people are coming together Mm -hmm. to show that they're mourning this thing. And I think we're now having to figure out how to do that on the Internet, too. And a lot of times it comes across as false because people who go and put something at one of those like those like shrines to a person don't stand there holding it the whole time. You know, like we don't associate that with that person um, right. Whereas if someone posts a piece of artwork they made on Twitter, like their username is always going to be associated with that. They're always going to be attached to it as a person. Um,
0: right. Yeah. If they get, you know, doesn't matter how many likes and retweets they get, it's always going to be their handle at the top. Right. Like that type of thing. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of, it does, um, it blurs the lines. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I hate that that I just did that, but it does kind of.
0: I can't believe you just said that.
1: Yeah, it it makes it. I don't know. It just makes ev- the internet just confuses everything. It makes everything difficult and unclear <laughs> and really difficult to navigate.
0: <laughs> let's let's end the internet in twenty seventeen.
1: Yeah, let's just stop it. Let's like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can someone? Does someone have the uh, the nuclear football to the internet someone push that button
1: yeah of it. I we need the internet kill switch to be you know hit like someone to do be it live
0: now. We, yeah so who do you think is in charge of that i feel like it'd be it'd be like it'd be i don't think like, um, i
1: don't think anyone is what? in charge of that i don't think there's someone that has a button that can turn off the internet <laughs>
0: I'm imagining. Oh, okay. If if, hypothetically, if such a thing existed, yes, hypothetically,
1: I would want Beyonce to have it. It would be
0: someone, it would be something like, it would be someone like Ken Bone from (gasps) the presidential debate. Like someone very like inconspicuous (laughs) would just have the keys to the internet and could just shut it down at any moment.
1: I feel like that's how the nuclear codes are. Like, your weird neighbor who, like, you you don't really talk to. Like, he probably has one of them. You know, like, he's been trusted.
0: I need to tell you a story about that.
1: Okay, please don't tell me a story about the nuclear codes. I'm really scared. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want whoever's going to come for me to come for me. What do you know? Oh,
0: my God. Oh, my God. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrified. Let me de-escalate this situation. please De-escalate. <laughs> <laughs> you have nothing to be concerned about
1: okay great i'm glad i
0: promise good
1: oh my gosh <laughs> okay so let's should let's move on to our our only like real topic for this episode i guess um should we start with the video i guess go in that way
0: sure i mean you yeah you you found the video so i feel like that's that's a good way to
1: start <laughs> yeah i'll kind of i'll just give for everyone listening a little uh background on what this video is so mtv news i think this was a couple weeks ago at this point It was definitely like before christmas they posted a video uh to i guess their website or their youtube page or whatever called dear white guys and the internet like collectively freaked out (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> exploded it
1: there was so yeah i mean it's a very short video too i think it's about like two three minutes long um it's essentially just people um sort of buzzfeed style sitting there kind of talking to a camera and saying like things that um that white guys can do better in 2017 i think is kind of the concept of the the video and there was a lot of reaction to it online because a lot of people felt like it was generalizing a group of people in a bad way or that some of the actual content of the video maybe wasn't communicated in a way that would be effective. Um, And so I guess kind of what I wanted to talk about for this video is, is these types of things. We don't even necessarily have to talk about this video specifically. And it's content too in depth but there are a lot of these types of, of videos i mean mostly from buzzfeed that are, are trying to coming from a sort of a social justice angle and trying to inform people of certain issues or um educate people or, or things like that and i think that in some cases it can be really effective and in some cases it can be very not effective and i think this was probably more on the not effective side of the spectrum from my perspective because i watching the video, I just couldn't figure out, I couldn't figure out who it was for or like what the takeaway was supposed to be.
0: I mean, from the, from the title, you would think that white guys are supposed to watch this and be like, oh, you know, like have some revelations, but obviously that's not going to happen. And I feel like they have to know that on some level. That's the thing about, I love how you dragged BuzzFeed though. First off, second of all, <laughs> second of all, I think, I think, I think it's a little redundant. In in BuzzFeed's case, anyway, um, it feels a little redundant at times to make all of these videos because the people they're trying to reach, or that you would assume that they're trying to reach, are not the people watching these videos. People, you know, college students. Young, you know, young professional people who are already a bit more progressive than previous generations are the people who are watching these videos predominantly and sharing them on, you know, online. So, I think I mean I'm not to say that some um, middle-aged and older people are not watching them, but. I think the majority of people who read and watch and consume BuzzFeed news are millennials and we are not the people who necessarily like quote unquote need those messages. Hmm. If that makes sense.
1: No, I, I think that does make sense. I think that there, I think that there's always an argument that we could be exposed to different layers of these things. I think a, a lot of times we can, kind of see ourselves i know i, I myself have, have viewed myself as more like socially aware of certain things and then kind of realized like oh maybe I, I actually am not very informed about that or maybe i'm not very sensitive about that issue um and kind of had to rarely ever has a a, a 3 minute video on the internet been the thing that spurred me to that understanding though i think i think that's that
0: that's my second yeah
1: a lot of like criticism coming from from people toward this is like if you're trying to talk to white guys it isn't the way to do it and then i've seen a lot of rebuttals saying well it should be making you uncomfortable like that's what's going to spur you to changing your beliefs but i think there's a, a difference between having kind of an abrasive tone and and disrupting because i've seen Things that I don't know if you've ever seen. Oh gosh, what's her name? I wrote it down. Have you seen um, the Jane Elliott workshops, the brown eyes, blue eyes thing that she does? She's this. Um, I don't think she does it anymore. I think she's retired now. But she's this um, this educator who does these workshops that essentially show white people what racism feels like through like dividing them into different groups and having them be treated differently. There's all these videos on the internet of white people like breaking down in tears from doing this workshop because they're like so freaked out by discovering what oppression actually feels like in any context um and getting really angry at her too like getting yelling at her um that's a kind of situation where i think making people uncomfortable can really disrupt the way they think and can really kind of alter their perspective i think kind of this like it was almost like a petty kind of tone coming through this video like
0: no it was petty as fuck yeah which, it was also very <laughs> condescending yeah I think. I mean, it, to me anyway, it, it just sounded very like, it sounded like they had already made this presumption about about who they were talking about before they, you know, it it was not coming from a place of, let's have a conversation about these things. It was coming from, at least it sounded to me like it was coming from a, chastising tone you know what I mean yeah
1: it it wasn't and that's what confused me because it made it seem like the video was aiming towards the people that were in the video like they were making a video for <laughs> themselves and people who think like for them. themselves yeah which is fine is absolutely fine but it, you get into a weird situation when you're titling it and aiming it as if it's for other people I think that it's really right.
0: yeah you don't address yeah. it to someone
1: right like when it's, it's really for you it's healthy to kind of express your frustrations with someone. I think that I, I, I think we can all agree, even a lot of people who critique this video can agree, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them can agree that white mm-hmm. guys do have a lot more privilege and are generally a lot less aware of these things than the majority of other Americans. Like, I think there is a, an issue there to acknowledge. Um, I just don't know that, this was actually accomplishing what it wanted to or even what it wanted and also it just like the tone of it is weird because it's like sometimes it was trying to be funny and the jokes just didn't land which is always just like more sad than anything else (laughs) like um
0: you kind of feel for that person for a minute
1: yeah i think if buzzfeed had done this video like and had their people do it it probably would have actually been more successful just because of the the um the ability and the comfort of people being on camera, like BuzzFeed's people, are very comfortable being on camera, um, Yeah. and very likable. Yeah, like
0: in that regard,
1: their media team is very tight. Like they have a very good view of what's happening. Their producers have a good idea of what's going to pick up traction and work well. So I think if they had done this video, yeah. it might have been received differently. And I think kind of what maybe my main takeaway from this video is that we're seeing people trying to imitate what BuzzFeed has done successfully and not doing it any anywhere near as successfully as they have.
0: Yeah. I think that's a accurate point. <laughs> um, I mean, just I, I, who isn't trying to imitate BuzzFeed at this point though. I mean, they're, yeah, they've, what, I don't know how many years they've been. How, when was BuzzFeed started? I don't know. But
1: It's really not that old.
0: I mean, but it's been a top, it's been a, you know, it's, you know, if there are any charts, Yeah, which I know there are showing where people get their news from or where younger people get their news from, mm-hmm. BuzzFeed has been at the top consistently for a while now. Right. So, you know, that, that tells you something in, especially in a, in a industry, in a field where that's very competitive you know, I mean, you've got you've got so many websites now, like like Vox, like Vice, um, Huffington Post. I mean, all of those all of those sites that are specifically um, catering to our generation. They're all tr- you know they're all doing similar things and not having. I mean, they're successful, but not having like the same like scale of success that Buzzfeed has.
1: Yeah. And I would almost say that some of them are doing more valuable work. Like, I would say Vice has actually done a lot of really, really interesting projects, especially with their TV stuff recently, that um, I think actually could be successful at helping to to inform people about social issues, as opposed to this kind of turning social justice into content kind of a strategy that a lot of websites have right now. Um,
0: yeah, and it's and something it, that, like, Vox is doing is more like long form journalism, which for me is more appealing than the, you know, short three minute clip, you know, you were to bring it back around to educating yourself, because I, I think that for sure is, you know, you can always learn more about things. It's not, that's, um, it's not a dead end road. So, but to do that, you have so many different options. And for me, like the type of work that Vox does is more is more effective for me. If I want to, you know, if I want to learn about um, LGBTQ issues or um, like just, I mean, anything, you can name anything. Like if, if there's a, a more of an explainer, like article or something on it like I'm definitely more likely to read that than to watch the the 2 minute clip of people talking about it but I do see I see the appeal of both
1: right because it's it, it gets it out there in a in a very fast easy to consume way which is good but it also Yeah like
0: not everyone wants to spend 45 minutes reading right
1: but then you lose a lot of depth too and then you walk away with a lot of people thinking that they really understand something when they Probably could do more research or, or or development of the way they think about things. I think. I mean, for me, I honestly following people on the internet who talk about this stuff has been more helpful probably than anything else. Like following writers who talk about social issues and stuff. Um, I, I think that once I started doing that, I realized that a lot of of what I was reading in other spaces was kind of regurgitation. I, I think. Pretty much everything on Buzzfeed could be labeled as regurgitation, um, which that was a, that was a drag. But
0: <laughs> that was such a drag.
1: But, but um, I get what
0: you mean though. It's it's more of like a, it's putting a spin on things that have already been out.
1: Right. I especially I've seen a lot of of people of color and everything talking about how there are Buzzfeed videos that will talk about social issues that essentially are verbatim things like tweet threads that they've had on their own accounts that some buzzfeed producer probably saw and picked up you know i think and it's kind of i question any organization that is profiting off of trying to make people socially aware like that's just suspect to me because
0: that's interesting
1: like with elaborate on that? yeah i i guess i'm i'm not sure even what fully my feelings are there but i think with BuzzFeed, I'm I question: Is this genuine, or is you, is you talking about these issues, a strategy as opposed to like an actual like well-intentioned venture? Like, are you just trying to hook young people that you know are interested in these things, or do you actually have like a vested interest in trying to educate people? And that's I think comes back to the MTV News "Dear White Guys" video. I think that that was kind of a ploy to. Like, people are talking about these issues. Let's get something out there. As opposed to actually having a real interest in trying to make an impact through your content.
0: Like, one, that's some conspiracy, (laughs) like, theory shit, and I love (laughs) it. Second, yeah, from, like, a profit standpoint, absolutely. I mean, because at the end of the day, I mean, I, I hate saying this, but, like, at the end of the day, all of these media outlets are businesses. I mean, they're all, you know, if they're not, if they're not a business, an independent business for themselves, they're owned by an even larger business. And it's all about, it's all about that. Yeah. It's definitely (laughs) like, it just, oh God, like it, it feels, it feels pain, like physically pains me to say that because you want to believe that and, and, and people are, and people who are actually creating this work are, I think their heads and hearts are in the right place. And insofar as they're trying to, infor, you know, they're sticking to those journalistic principles of, in, you know, informing the public and um, telling, you know, truth telling to the best of your ability. So like that, I don't, I'm not saying those people are scheming to make money. Um, at all, but but the people that they report to and the people that they report to, and so on and so forth, they are interested in money. And that that all trickles down into what you see on the front pages yeah. of these websites. like for sure that there's no getting around that.
1: Right. And it's kind of it's I, I do feel sort of bad in questioning that like the fact that BuzzFeed hiring these young, socially aware, diverse people, is one yes, absolutely a business strategy, but two is also a really good and necessary thing. Um, yeah, I guess I just want to make sure that those people are still being protected from corporate interests and still actually being able to talk about the things that matter to them. Um, and it's it's hard too because something like BuzzFeed, obviously, there's BuzzFeed news and then there's like BuzzFeed like media, the videos and all that stuff, which are essentially two completely mm-hmm. different entities but it's hard not to to consume them as well, one you associate. thing yeah like how am i going to separate yeah. that like because buzzfeed news obviously is is generally a little more um unbiased more journalistic yeah,
0: no, like left yeah like it,
1: they you can tell they try to be more like serious with that but then you have the media stuff which is very clearly leaning to one side and i think that that's a good thing because i don't think we have enough people who are distinctly saying like who are giving, like, transgender people the ability to speak on on issues that matter to them or giving all different kinds of diverse people the ability to speak on issues that are important to them. So I think it's good that BuzzFeed's doing that. I just feel like it's good for us also to be aware that, like, they are taking these people and essentially using them to a degree. It's like they're employing them, that's great, but also it's a corporation at the end of the day, it's a business at the end of the day. Like, I almost would rather consume things from people who are independently like making videos on YouTube, talking about what's important to them or or things like that. I don't know. It's just a really, again, the internet makes everything difficult.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, it's a double-edged sword because to have, I mean, they're at, on one hand, they're giving, they're giving people who might not otherwise have, you know, the platform to speak about things that they want to speak about. They're giving them, they're giving them that space and they're giving them that reach. Like they're giving them their audience which is millions of people and you can't you can't get that just by posting a video on YouTube. So I mean it's it's important um, for sure, but yeah, I see what you mean where it's like where is that line between yeah, like corporate interest and just general I don't know. But I'm I'm not sure where my sentence is. Going,
1: <laughs> you know I, mean. I know what you mean. And yeah, and I do want to like totally say to <laughs> I know that I, like, dragged MTV earlier, but I do also want to say, like, I think they also are producing content that is actually helpful. Like, there's a show um, called Decoded that's hosted by uh, Francesca Ramsey, who's, like, a really great... Um, yeah, she's and her videos get a lot of traction, they get a lot of views, and I think the way she talks about things is... Strikes that perfect balance of, like, this isn't here to make you comfortable, but it also is here so that you can understand it and ingest it. Like, I think that she does a really great job of that. Um, and I know that her show is produced by MTV, and she has writers and stuff. And so I think that they are doing good things. It's just, like, I think maybe these companies need to be more aware of their audience. Like, she was a person who had already been doing this for years and was very aware of who her audience was and how she needed to communicate. Um and I think that it's really important for these kinds of companies to, to actually really sit down and think, is this video for people who already think this way, or is this video for people who don't already think this way? Right.
0: Yeah, because that will definitely change how how you create content, for sure.
1: Right. Okay, I think we went really deep into that discussion, much deeper we than I expected really us
0: to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that we started this... Just being like, well, you know, we'll see where it goes. <laughs>
1: yep. <laughs> well, Christmas, like that's how we started. Um, no, that yeah, I think that's that's good though. I think we did good things today.
0: We did good things. Good work. <laughs> good Have work to me and to you. Yeah,
1: there we go. Just clap into the mic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and as as it. Would be our claps are off timing wise. Yeah,
1: of course. We definitely did not even (laughs) try. Of course they are. (laughs) Yeah, they'll never match. Oh my god. Okay, so Uh, I want to give a more definitive call to action about the iTunes reviews. Like, we really want people to do that.
0: (laughs) But for real, actually do it. Like really. I don't know how to sound more. Yeah, like more intense. I think
1: it does really help. I've heard people say that it helps more people find your podcasts and stuff and obviously that would be great um and i think maybe we can like read them on the show or something if people write them and they're not inappropriate Yeah, we'll
0: give you a shout out (laughs) of course (laughs) disclaimer
1: Um, you can tweet about the show we'll read your tweet you can send us questions um our twitter is at blur the byline not at blurring the byline
0: not to be confused with what i said before
1: (laughs) not to be confused with what Julia said in the last episode or on a tweet that she deleted earlier and Sorry had to repost.
0: To lead. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that calling up.
1: Calling you out again. <laughs>
0: I did not mean to lead anyone astray. My intentions oh my gosh. were pure.
1: Yeah, we also don't have a website yet, which I think we said we had one in the last episode. We have the domain name. She's not ready yet.
0: Yes. <laughs> still in gestation right (laughs) now.
1: yeah she's working on it um
0: she's in the oven
1: anything else I mean you can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud and iTunes blurring the byline that would be dope yeah anything else that people need to know alright well thank you everyone for listening and um we'll see you in two weeks alright bye bye